0: Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. It's your host, Ken, and another beautiful day here in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I'm on my traveling journey, as you saw from the, the little intro there. And as I kind of found that common thread of mental health in people's stories around the country, and surprised at the breadth and the depth of it, as well as the struggle for people to kind of find their way out, uh, to get help, to get access, and then even, you know, very long recovery roads. Uh, sometimes it seems for, for things that, you know, maybe could have, could have been another way, not sure. Um, so that, you know, that passionate kind of trying to find what's going on in the business, what's going on in the industry. I started the jar foundation to see what I could do in my corner uh, as a charitable kind of way for mental health. And then also to start this show uh, to give a platform for people that are affecting change uh, in the industry and the is you know, overwhelmed by the size and, and magnitude of the problem. And caught a little off guard. And so there's a lot of people coming to the rescue. And you know, not not all knights in shining armor look the same. Uh busy gold. Definitely, you don't look like the knight in shining armor, the classic one <laughs> with your pink microphone and your uh and you know, just awesome. But watching some of your stuff and your conversations and some of your reels and the the events you've been at, and the people you've been around busy, you have you have really you have cracked open. Uh, the proverbial nut here and really exposed mental health and you've got it topical. I mean, I, I, I kind of very sheepishly said, you know, I want to, I want to kind of affect the stigma and (laughs) and I saw, and then I'm watching one of your reels and I'm like, oh yeah, she's out there is actually really in the mainstream having heavy conversations around it. Um, so busy I'm, I'm, nice. I'm
1: well-loved and well-hated simultaneously. Yeah,
0: people, people don't
1: typically have a vanilla response to me, and I, I'm okay with that.
0: Hey, that's good, right? And even the haters are going to love you a little bit.
1: The haters still watch everything I do. <laughs> so that that's the that's, best part. I think being... Being an industry disruptor, you have to have a thick skin and be okay with not being well-liked along the way. I don't think trendsetters are typically well-liked because you're changing or exposing the cracks in the foundation of an existing system. And the people that are operating within that system don't want the cracks exposed. right? They want to keep doing things the way they were taught to do them. There are many Mm -hmm. brain pattern types that are naturally resistant to change and adaptation. And often those are the very people that do tend to get stuck only thinking within the paradigm of what they've been trained to think in. And then people like me, and I would bet that you're often like me, where it's a bit easier for us to find flexibility and adaptation Mm. if we see value in it if we can see that something's not quite as it should be then you see the reason to be flexible for many Mm. others that don't have that protective response to be flexible as soon as somebody highlights the crack they want to do anything they can to not go through cognitive dissonance they want to actually demonize anyone who pointed out the crack because it though essentially acknowledging that crack risks putting their entire academic foundation at risk. And I think ultimately they are afraid of what comes after that. So I think it's all a knee jerk reaction to avoid having to go into and through cognitive dissonance.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great, and, you know, I'd add, I think that the people that are very good at that, and we need that structured kind of mind in places, they also gravitate toward the administrative and governance functions. Yes, they do. And, and so that's a hard, that's a hardened, you know, you end up in a, a hard person in the hardened space and the change is so much more difficult.
1: It is. And when we look at, so I love that you just brought that up because there are brain pattern types that are more administrative or authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are those that are much more innovative and creative and adaptable. Mm-hmm. And then there are some that are what I would call a switch position where they they can yeah. do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. In general, Many of the people that are driven into academia tend to be those who are just, they're just less likely to be the innovators and they're more likely yeah. to be the administrative ones that tend to like control. They want to know what comes next. They yes. want to understand all the edges. Whereas to juxtapose that, all these innovators are like, there's no such thing as an edge, right? So there's just, they're uh-huh. that are trying to understand a problem, but fundamentally they're seeing the world in very antagonistic ways. And I do think that what the mental health sector needs right now is a a blend, right? We need people to be able mm-hmm. to collaborate in teams because each one of us is going to see a facet of the problem and a way to solve it, but we need to be able to collaborate with the other people that are seeing the other facet that they're missing. Mm. And right now there is just this kind of hard line. Oh, yes. This is how you do it. If you innovate, then you're against us. And yes. I just I would love to see those walls come down and I do think that to some extent I am seeing those walls come down there's evidence of it in my modality but I I think it's it's there's more work to be done And I think this is kind of to me one of the biggest problems in mental health at large I think many therapists need therapy and I think you know that's going to be maybe a hard tough pill to swallow but it just is what it is you you brought up this visual of kind of like the um you know, the old white man smoking the pipe, drawing an image while the person's talking through their dreams to interpret and so on. There's this idea, and I believe break method specifically is built to oppose this, that mm. the therapist can, can and should observe their client mm-hmm. and how their clients okay. responding to things and through their observation kind of glean how all of these things come together to fit certain molds that they were trained to basically yes. put into okay. right so i think there are some inherent flaws in this so number one i would say the one of the biggest flaw in therapy as a whole i think is the rapport building process so many of the therapists that i have shared clients with or that i've eventually trained the rapport building process can take weeks to months and building rapport with the client is essentially getting them to trust you enough to open up. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Unfortunately, the way most rapport building works in therapeutic containers is a bit more like a groomer trying to entice a child, right? <laughs> so it's like, you're, you're trying to get the child to do something that the child knows is not actually, it's like out of time and it's not right. But you're like, but come on, here's Yeet. some candy. Um, so oh. essentially, you're like, you're forcing or hot wiring this connection to be made. And you put the relationship actually in a, in a very unsteady place, because you need that person to, to like you to some extent to yeah. like you enough to trust you. Yes. And as soon as somebody, they like you, they're more likely to then go into self deception and get into their wounds and have a hard time actually doing therapy, right? Because now there's, there's some sort of admiration or friendship, or in some cases, some therapists will just straight up try to make their client attached to them and like kind of transfer addiction onto them, like a relationship partner or a parental figure. So no matter how you do it, you're going from it as a friend, as a lover, as a parent, right. Or, or some
0: <laughs> that doesn't way. sound good to me.
1: Not <laughs> ideal. Um,
0: Not ideal. So,
1: so, that part of it is certainly triggering and I think it it sets the relationship up in a way that is I think oppositional to healing and it's also oppositional to honesty when we are right when we actually put ourselves out there and we want somebody to like us in return where we're kind of doing this communication we're more likely to lie. We're more likely I, to get pulled into our wound. So it's just not, not
0: going to tell way. you everything. You're my friend now. Like now you're my friend. I want you to like me.
1: Right. And then you're, lines my get you're my new friend.
0: You're my new friend.
1: You're my new friend. Lines get blurry. And now we've kind of established this relationship where now you're kind of just letting them talk to you because you're, you're hoping that through their kind of free form flow in the beginning when you're trying to okay. create rapport, that you're going to be kind of catching the pieces that, again, we can kind of put into those molds that you yeah, described.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: But the information that you're getting from that person is not, it's not data anymore. You're, you're getting them to tell stories and stories mm. are so many layers past yeah, data. Yes. And ultimately to serve your client Efficiently and effectively and to us and break methods sustainability should always be the number one priority like can what you do last forever and not require constant maintenance you need to work with data rather than story because data actually is what the brain functions on, right? Stories are how we relate to the data, but ultimately the brain is functioning off of data as a source, not story. So stories like somewhere in between the way the brain is kind of housing information and relaying it Mm. through communication. But that story is a filter that actually doesn't help us help that person, right? That they're, In terms of this kind of like old school observation, yes, you can learn that there's a certain cadence and and, and inherent structural flaws to a Mm storyline that you can kind of put into these molds, but it's a really ineffective roundabout way to get that person yeah. healed, I think. So going back to this idea of kind of like broken rapport. So you've got that part of rapport. And then you've also got this part of rapport where it's like, you're building it over this lengthy period of time when quite frankly, if that person had been doing break method, by the time that person just starts to trust you, our client would already be out and have brought us five more clients because they'd be done. So just in terms of, like, effectiveness, you could be still trying to get that person, like, giving them little bits of candy, <laughs> like, Mom, no, you know you want to dress me? Or they could already be out the door being a changemaker and a generational ripple in their family and giving you more clients. So yeah. this kind of, I feel like, highlights this one area of, I think, part of it is systemic. And then this other part of it okay. is in therapy – there's often no set timeline. Like it's just kind of, well, you're done when you're done when you're done. Most people don't I, do well with that. Do you do I, well with d- that, Ken? Like a no, open-ended, I, like, you could be two years, could be 10 years, Ken. Just uh, trust yeah. the healing process.
0: And what I never got, I totally agree. That's not me. And the part that I'd never that I still struggle with, and I've and I've heard a different articulation of it. You probably and you know the story well. Um I don't see how it's healing to talk about a bad traumatic event over and over and over and over again until oh, the nerve okay. until the nerve is dead. Um, I I don't know that never I never understood that to me. That seemed like you're you're digging that memory deeper That's and actually deeper. Not and, what
1: it doesn't it doesn't just eventually die. Every time you tell the story or kind of like tangentially move around the story, yeah, you're yeah, actually yeah. you're running that sequence again and again. So you're actually increasing the chemical I, reactivity to that memory. Yeah, I'm getting In I'm getting way, the
0: same, yeah.
1: Or deeper rut, like a deeper rut in the road. A Every time rut. you drive into that rut, it's getting deeper and deeper. And then eventually, that rut is so deep that even if you have the tools to get out, you're like, "Oh my, God, I'm so deep. How, how do I get out?" I'm the,
0: the Grand stories. Canyon.
1: And then the worst part is that then, especially when I I I have a lot of, I would say the majority of my practice these days, me personally. Our clients that have literally tried everything and they're like, I'm hopeless, I guess, you know, this is it for me, I'm going to be broken forever. And our success rate is incredibly high. And I'm not afraid of those clients that have, you know, that been yeah, yeah, like fired now. by all of their therapists or all the different modalities have
0: <laughs> fired up. by all. Their I, therapists.
1: I, I don't mind that. But what happens is often people are in therapy for so long that this kind of storytelling mechanism and yeah. reliving their trauma it actually becomes a part of their identity, and then they can no longer separate that which happened to them from oh, who they are. And then you just have this kind of like entanglement where the person no longer remembers what it was like to be free of it, which I think is it's becoming more and more prominent in the space because a lot of modalities are, I'll give one specific example. So I work with a lot of clients actually that had either undergone gender transition at some point or at least partially gender transition and then started to go back and realize, wait, I, I wasn't treated correctly here. Something's off. I don't, you know, I think without stepping on wow. too many landmines here in this show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think
1: there's definitely a push in the industry to just blanket a firm. So you end up getting people who are put on treatments that, really, if we're being honest with ourselves, they wouldn't they shouldn't have been a candidate for such things. So it's not surprising that they got partway into the transition and then realized, no, this is not for me. Um, So I do work with many of those clients. And one of the things that I have bumped into quite a bit is this prevalence of something called ERP, which you're, I'll tell it through kind of like two, I'll kind of like brush together broad strokes of a few different clients that I'm not okay. talking about. Okay, clients, okay, good, good. So I'll use one example of somebody who, because um, this is pretty prominent, as soon as you start to introduce psychedelics or medicine ceremony and things like that, if somebody has a very specific underlying brain pattern, once you introduce something like that, if there was already a tendency toward compulsion or intrusive thoughts, doing that medicine in air quotes ceremony can actually do quite a bit of harm for that person because then any little thing that is introduced during that time, it's like the architecture is there for it to really root in. And it just, that person Um. is already lacking some level of self-trust and they're highly suggestible as a person. So as soon as that little thing gets in there, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe I am. And I have had quite a few clients who in medicine ceremony have come out and then all of a sudden being like, well, maybe I am gay, but they're married with kids and they're like, but I've literally never had a gay thought in my whole life. And then it kind of unfolds this whole thing where I've had quite a few clients who kind of fit that mold. And then I have quite a few clients who have had OCD and other intrusive thoughts forms start to kind of get pulled into this like well what if i am trans even though that's their you know 20s 30s that thought never occurred to them until now it's literally plastered everywhere but they have the same thing low self trust and that high suggestibility just, just right so little... it's like as soon as it implants it just roots it and then they're like oh well maybe and then they just fixate and ruminate and fixate and ruminate so both of these kind of subsets of clients i've seen get so much worse through doing things like ERP where the therapist actually makes them expose themselves. I can't even say it without getting so upset. They decided it was a good idea for all these clients. And I'm I'm probably talking like an amalgamation of like 12 different clients that I've had over the last year and a half.
0: Just that they, you know. Just yeah, the only iPod, the ones that you just, know.
1: Just, just the I've had personally. Yeah. Yeah. So this where, is where the therapist actually nights. forces them to expose themselves to graphic information. So in some of these cases, oh, well, go watch gay porn. You've got to watch X amount of hours of gay porn. Well, here's the problem this person's already highly suggestible, they're getting attacked by their own. I would say, out of control visualization mechanism. And then you're literally just mainlining them exactly what's going to make it worse. So I end up getting the people where it's like they're so much worse because their therapists force them to expose themselves to this content when that never should have been recommended to them ever. Because then I have to spend months undoing the damage from therapy to then get them back to baseline and then Help them from there. And then it takes twice as long. We're still successful with it, but I've had more cases. What is this called?
0: This is called ERP. This one
1: person called it ERP. I think it's like exposure something, something, something. I don't know what ERP is, but (sighs) apparently it's very prevalent in those spaces. And to be honest, I think if we look at how they function for certain types, sure. Like, exposure to a stimulus. Like if somebody has a phobia of like going on an elevator. Okay. If you ride on an elevator a hundred times, maybe by time 80, you'll be less emotionally rattled by going on an elevator. Okay. Sure. Fine. I'm willing to concede that.
0: Maybe, maybe, I, maybe, I, I don't frankly, know.
1: I don't like elevators. So there's nothing you could do to make me like, elevators. yeah, like,
0: like for some people, just like I get in and I get out and that's all I need. I don't need to be in a one a hundred times to Okay, anyway, sorry,
1: keep going. I'm just giving that example that like, I'm willing to concede that in certain circumstances, exposure to a stimulus that's causing that triggering event can be useful. But in this particular case where these people are already overwhelmed with visual stimulus, Mm. and that is part of what is kind of puppet mastering this mechanism to literally destroy their lives, um, why you would ratchet up that visual stimulus. It, it just doesn't feel like it is in the best interest of the client. I, I've i just seen it do so much damage. So, and I do think that there's more of that prevalent uh, in today's society. And I just, I think people need to be mindful about the the retelling, constantly exposing. There's a very specific sequence okay. that we need to go through to rewire. And I do agree that, you know, the way we do it in break method, there's a very specific sequence and a structure and you don't deviate from the structure because ultimately the way your brain pattern currently functions is like a default setting. If you think about your phone, if you've ever like gotten things out of control and you're like, Oh, I need to go back to the beginning. There's like three buttons that you hold in a certain sequence. It's like, we can return it back to its default settings. The brain develops a default setting, which is your brain pattern between the ages of two and five. So this is a survival-based pattern. So it, mm. it usually starts with either fear or fear of shame. So this pattern is going to exist. We map an eight-part system in this brain okay. pattern, but essentially this brain pattern is hardwired in by ages two to five. And the way that it functions, it tricks you into believing that you and it are one and the same. But what actually can happen if the structure is correct is you can actually help the client see that which they are and we're always destined to be as a God created being or whatever you want to call it versus that which their brain has adapted to to survive because they are soul and separate. And so many of us have spent many years of our lives never acknowledging the separation, never trying to really uncover where that line is that we just... We just operate as self when really that's not accurate. So when we're looking at how this set structure works, the reason we can't ever deviate or adapt is because the brain pattern will function like a virus on a mainframe of a computer. It wants to survive. It's very intelligent because it knows you because it's masqueraded as you this whole time. So it kind of knows how to bob and weave to stay hidden but it also rapidly replicates. So if there's a certain area of your life where it's like, okay, I really know that I have to work on this area of my life and you start to experience healing in that area, this is when that brain pattern will kind of pivot and it'll switch into a different facet of your life where all of a sudden you're like, why is this area of my life a dumpster fire now? I just worked on that one.
0: (laughs) The brain, and man, that's so good.
1: So then it literally will then, kind of again shift okay well this area of your life you're now focused on healing so i'm gonna have to go attack a different area of your life yeah ultimately it still wants to get its fix because there's a chemical component to running this brain pattern because we know that the body whatever we experience with high repetition between two and five the body will become chemically addicted to it so it'll seek out opportunities to label things in a certain way to run this chemical loop so when the client is able to say no i don't want to do that or yeah let's move on to something else the brain will actually delay its own healing if you allow the brain pattern to make decisions about what you do and what you don't do which is why in our set structure we tell clients right off the bat by doing this you are agreeing to being a rat put in a maze and like you're getting out when you get out but You're not going to like a lot of the process. Some of the process, you might want to throw your paper at me. You might want to tell me to go F myself. But nonetheless, you're choosing to be here and we're going to get you out the other (laughs) side and we're going to get you out the other side in four months. How does that sound? They're like, sounds great. Um, What I found is. Oh my God,
0: that's so funny.
1: People end up loving the experience. Like, I just, today, I literally had back to back clients from. Eight fifteen in the morning to present, and okay. the the type of client we have because people are like, oh, well, there must be like a certain type of client that you work mm. with. And I've just today I had virtually every range you could imagine, from a seven year old client to a sixty three year old client, to people that are completely impoverished, living gang life who just got out of prison, to you know high level mm-hmm. CEOs. This work is for everyone, and. Part of the reason that break method is so effective is that ultimately, I believe, and again, this is not the opinion that most people in the mental health space want to lean into, but I think how we change our approach for perceived diagnoses actually keeps people stuck in said diagnoses The same way that the brain pattern will kind of bob and weave and avoid the things that actually it needs to do to break out of it, the same is true for diagnoses, which is why people are like, oh, well, I have trauma, therefore I have to do it this way. Or I have bipolar, therefore I have to do it this way. Uh, My belief, which I feel like we have proven extensively through data analytics, is there are only so many subsets of brain patterns. We have there are five primary brain pattern types that you can have. Okay. Every diagnosis can then correlate with these different buckets of brain pattern types. And once once we can see the clusters, we can say okay, in general, people with you know type two bipolar tend to be clustered right here. Hmm. But let's put that aside. Let's do your brain pattern assessment. And let's see where it puts you boom, the brain pattern assessment puts you right in this cluster. Where, okay, this is why you're getting diagnosed this way. But here's the truth. There, I could have a group of 10 people that are all plotted right on this place at the same okay. spot in your brain pattern assessment. Eight of them could lead completely normal lives, have no issues, no diagnosis. How come these two are the ones getting the diagnosis? In many cases, it comes down to a communication filter. So how we express and how we process and what we're sharing versus not sharing is often what is separating somebody with a diagnosis from somebody who's just quietly leading (laughs) their lives, right? So really, I mean, to some extent, I kind of joke with people that really, like, everyone's crazy. Some people are just quiet crazy, and some people are loud crazy. Yeah,
0: it's like extrovert crazy and and introvert crazy.
1: Yeah, like, can you are there do you know where the line is between what to say and not to say and can you see okay. the value in in yielding or holding back many people's brain uh, pattern types which I'll I'll show you this in a video I'll send it to you but and I'm actually happy to give you I'll do a brain pattern assessment for you cuz I think you would geek out on it so there the spectrum obviously there's a midpoint and then it kind of fans out to the sides the okay. further you go out to the sides the harder it is for you to find it within you to yield and not address something immediately. So there's this like perceived urgency, the further out you go out to the side. So the people toward the midline of the spectrum, they lead in general, pretty complacent, like lives, like not a lot happens, not a lot good, not a lot bad. They don't take a lot of risks. They're just kind of, like, you know? Um, So I always tell people, especially when I'm training therapists, like this cluster and I have it circled in the middle. It's very rare that we see clients that are in this, part of the spectrum, unless they're like 50s, 60s, and they've got empty nester syndrome. And they're like, what do I do with my life now? I have my kids are gone. Like, I'm not fighting with my partner. Like, who am I? What am I here for? Then you might (laughs) get people on that center. But in general, those that subset of people, they're not going to have dumpster fire lives. They're not going to be, you know, walking around with diagnoses on a bunch of pills, because they're just kind of
0: not that much is going on.
1: But as you move out toward the sides, diagnoses will tend to uptick on on both sides. So what we do in break method is really focus in first, but I don't, I'll start this way. So we talked a bit about the rapport problem in the traditional therapy container. With break method, our belief is that the only rapport that needs to be established needs to happen in session one. And it's built on authority and accuracy. If doing our diagnostic, which takes 30 minutes, I can actually tell you every single thing about your life to such a high level that you're like, what is that? Like, how, <laughs> how did you do this? Then it doesn't matter it. if you it doesn't matter if you like me or not. You don't have to you, like you me. actually You don't after have this. to like me. You just yeah. know deep down in your core that I'm more right than anyone's ever been about your life. And then we're good. It's like, cool. And I, might you. No. I
0: might hate you just for that. And some or love people you, do, or love you, but or love at you the same that.
1: time, I think the curiosity, even if they hate, and I've, I'll tell a, a quick little titty, tidbit yeah. about this after I'm done with this, but sometimes they are triggered by it, but yes, it's done sure. in such a way where their curiosity is so peaked that somebody could possibly <laughs> in 30 minutes, like get that much out of it that they're just I, like, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's go. Yeah, like, like, I hate <sighs> you. I don't want to do this, but I'm like, right. I have to know. Absolutely,
0: um, you surrender. I had
1: I had a client who, um, I'm now quasi in business with. So obviously, this <laughs> this turned out when, well. It went,
0: it went well. Okay. It
1: went well. It turned out all good. When I first did his brain pattern assessment, it very. Um, Very authoritative, very confident. You could tell was used to being able to lead the conversation and not be the one kind of like answering questions. Naturally, I think questions authority and so on. You can picture this guy. Very, very successful gentleman. Yes. And we got to the end, did his whole thing. And then I sent him his brain pattern assessment and we ended, the things ended great. It turned out I had previously helped his wife years prior. So he was already like very much on board. And he was like, you changed okay, my life. Cool. So I, I left it at that, thought we were good, sent him his brain pattern diagnostic and went on with my life. Then one day later I was on the ski lift with my kids and all of a sudden my phone was like ringing, ringing, ringing. And I finally answered and it's one of our client support team. Cause we have people who work, with the clients in the in between sessions, which is a whole other okay. thing that's very okay. different about break. So we've kind of have <clears throat> two different roles. So we've got kind that's of great. The, stand, great the stand in for therapy, which for us, we call it behavior strategy. So this is like the hard line diagnostic work, rolling up the sleeves, getting to work, no chit chat. I don't want to know what's happening in your week. Like that's not my job, yeah, that's their care. job, yeah. right? So the client support job is the, how are things going? What's happening this week? And then I just get to start my sessions already with an overview so that we don't have to chit chat I already know what happened and I know how to keep us moving forward because I do think that that role differentiation and therapy container is part of the problem how long do you let somebody tell you about their week before really they're paying you to just talk about their week that doesn't feel Uh, very effective uh, to me
0: no there's no. a, I would imagine there's a lot of that goes on. I mean, as Fishy. a child,
1: I'm pretty sure my parents, and I'm sorry to be cracking my back. I've just been sitting yes. this chair for so long. Um, my, I'm pretty sure my parents paid a lot of money for me to play battleship for like a year and a half straight with my therapist <laughs> and say nothing other than I sunk your battleship.
0: It's like babysitting
1: totally um like the most expensive weird babysitter ever
0: and and on top of it yeah also <laughs> a bit weird
1: <laughs> so weird um so my phone's blowing up and I finally answer it and it's our sweet client support team And she's like oh my god have you talked to so-and-so like they're they're so mad they want a refund and I was like huh so then I'm starting to read through text messages. And um, basically he's like, at this, nobody can put me in a box. There's nobody that anyone could possibly know this much about me in, in 30 <laughs> minutes. I call bullshit. And it was like freaking out. And I just looked at, I looked at Josie on the phone. I like, Josie, here's the deal. Pull up his pattern diagnostic right now. So she did. And I was like, you're trained to see this. What am I about to tell you? And she was like, He's in his protective emotion. I'm like, okay. And what does it say about all the things he does during his protective motion? She reads it all. I'm like, okay, hey, so what do you have to do? And she's like, I have to go to him and I've got to tell him, sir, you are in your cycle right now. This is what you're here to heal from. <laughs> and we're not going to let you do this to yourself because this is the self that this is why you haven't healed yet. Because people just concede and they want to placate you. And I'm very sorry, sir, but I'm not going to placate you right now. Pull open your packet and let's talk through this. So she was like, I'm scared. And I was like, you can do this.
0: You can do it. Oh God, that's so classic.
1: And eventually I and I mean eventually, like it was a couple days. It wasn't like, you know, weeks later. Uh, a couple days later, I get an email from him that's like, you know, I'm so sorry about that. It was a humbling experience. I've really realized like I'm such an authority figure in my life that nobody really checks me like that. And I, you know, I really sat with it and I saw it and I'm just, if you want to pass me off to somebody else on the team after this, I totally understand. And I've basically responded like, dude, we're all adults here. Let's just keep it going. I'm not personally offended.
0: I'm not surprised,
1: frankly, at all. So let's just go. Let's get you what you came for. So eventually it turned into um, a relationship where it turns out he actually, uh, like mathematics and tech background, runs a tech, one of the larger tech consulting companies in the U.S., And we've been on this endeavor for the last six months to essentially do all of the data mapping of all of our client records to establish nodal maps of essentially a data analytics approach to solving the mental health crisis. And we've actually done it. So our alpha launched last week. Um, So this really is a completely opposite approach to healing the collective than the traditional mental health container, because as you mentioned at the beginning, it's like, observe, take notes, try to fit them into a mold, but you're battling against the therapist's own subjective observation, right? With that, like, that's a huge problem.
0: I'm a data guy. I, 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 my whole career, I, I made, I made a fat living off of being able to understand data and Mm -hmm. then take the appropriate actions to, to affect change in the data at a root, at a root cause level. I'm a root. I'm a root cause guy, really. But I use data. I'm a root cause person. I use data to do it. So I'm maybe not a data driven. I'm, I'm more of a, a. I'd flip it on its head and say the data for me is a tool to get to the fix.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and that is. So some people use it the other way, right? Where they use data yeah, to predict yeah. the output, but you can also yes. reverse engineer the data to predict the input, which is what we've done in break. You,
0: you're just flipping the equation. You're doing some algebra with the equation. Yes, sir. Yeah, genius. I. This is so cool, because you've just you've i mean, like I say you've hit everything that I have that has given me a little bit of that angst when i when I'm in this business, you know, for yeah. ninety days now. you know my fr- I'm in here ninety days and I'm a- and you've just, just that last that last uh, kind of close that you just gave is amazing,
1: and it's it is absolutely the mental health system of the future. I believe mm-hmm. it with every cell of my being. Whenever therapists see it and have that resistance if they even just take one little tiptoe over the edge, mm-hmm. eventually even the person that hates me, I know. I know. They can't deny what they're seeing. I had a recent therapist describe it as an algorithm that aggregates all of the therapy jargon that they've ever learned in their lifetime and puts it into a synthesized system that helps them treat people more effectively without any wasted time and without their own personal issues getting in the way, which is exactly what it's created for. It's to help clients heal without any of the inherent blockages in the old therapeutic container. Because I, I personally, I, my opinion can't actually negatively impact the healing of my clients because it's not based on my opinion. It's all based on the data. I, so, and I'll even say, you know, I really would have thought that you were this, but the data says this. So we're going to go with the data and we test it extensively over every area of your life to see if we can get it to break. Because ultimately I don't want to tell you to rewire a pattern that you don't have because then yes. it won't work. And I don't like to be bad at my job. <clears throat> yeah. And you,
0: and being good at your, at your I mean, some people be going to the job means like straight lines or white lines or a smooth asphalt, but I mean, being good at your job is really, really important. It's very important. I should say being bad at your job is a really bad thing.
1: Yeah. I had one of my... One of my staff members say, you know, every time it's like taking off on a plane and just being like, "Don't crash! Don't crash! Don't crash! Don't crash! Don't crash!" That doesn't happen to me because I don't have that brain pattern. I have the like, "I'll figure it out, no matter what," as we go along. But oh yeah, um,
0: yeah. But the the reality is, I
1: think part of the reason Mm -hmm. that break method at this phase is where it is is that every single time I run it, I'm taking what we've learned in that client container and we're looking for ways that we could have made it better Mm. and more effective. So every single time it's being refined. So what is being run now is a refined system that started in 2014. So if you think about having run that system 15,000 plus times, if you're paying attention and you're not just saying to yourself, this system works because somebody told me that it works to get my degree. And instead you're saying, there's always a way to make this better. And I'm going to learn every single time. Then you actually you evolve the system to a place where it really can meet the needs of every type of person in the world, which is ultimately what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring a system into the world that allows every single person to be restored back to their original template. Because really we we all, yeah, back to that reset because I, most people And this is, again, it's kind of a it's a gray area in today's world because I feel like people are either in the like, oh, everyone has trauma or people are in the like, you know, there's no such thing as trauma, like it just people weaponize it on either side. And I think the reality is that, yes, we definitely are living in a time and space where victim culture is on the rise. And it's kind of like a cool thing to have some sort of trauma based victim story, But from a very foundational perspective, I, from working with thousands of clients, people do all have some trauma wounds, period, full stop. And I always tell people, whether it's clients that we're working with or therapists, it doesn't take much for a child to be imprinted with trauma because a child is born into this frail, tiny little body that can't Mm -hmm. sustain itself. And anything that is not supportive of love, innocence, or curiosity immediately goes to the brain as trauma. So you could have a white picket fence, both parents home, you know, one and a half kids with a dog, and you could still have significant trauma inputs from things that if we're just sitting here and be like, that wasn't that traumatizing. That's not how the brain perceives it because it doesn't have anything to compare and contrast against. So whatever happens Mm. with the early repetitions is going to create the brain pattern. And I think that's where a lot of therapeutic uh, containers miss it. Is they're, I believe they're not looking for the right inputs because ultimately your brain pattern is a map of your input output relationships. Yeah. Because input yes. Repetitively will create <clears throat> an output in a behavior, personality expression, yeah, yes. communication style, the way we perceive reality.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you're not mapping the right inputs, you're going to miss the whole damn thing. So part of what we do is we extensively map the correct system of input output relationships so much so that now you can go through the system, you fill out the things and it knows exactly what inputs generate, what type of outputs. And then we can predict everything about you to a point that you're like, wait, what? How? I, and it's because we're just not all that unique. There's basically five versions of us.
0: I, you know, this it. is the one, uh, that's the one thing I do love about this, the way you've, on one side of this solving the problem is they've, we've created 7 billion unique brains that all have unique experiences and mm-hmm. how, you know, and then you've got, you know, a hundred thousand people trying to solve these problems, right. To, to kind of get them back to reset. How is yep. that ever? That is never going to work because they'd all have different, no one's sharing data Somebody 80 years old, they die. You lose all their knowledge. Uh, at least what you've got. I like it. You get it down to five people. There's only five people in the world. Yeah. I mean, one of the five. And, and here's there, the process. There's,
1: there's, there are different subsets past sure. the five. But in terms sure. of like just broad strokes, yeah. umbrella level brain yep. patterns, there's only five variations. Yeah. So I, to me, that makes a way lot more of, sense. There's a lot of nuance after that. And there's certain environmental conditions that generate certain brain pattern types.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So an example of this would be, we've found that one when and this is, this could be for a whole other podcast episode. So I'll just give it a little bit. So. Essentially, what ends up happening is that when the more stable the home is, so the more Mm -hmm. parents are married, the more, you know, you would expect things to be that like white picket fence. We actually see that those are some of the worst outcomes in terms of (laughs) mental health. Because often with that, there's not a lot of emotional resilience built up. There's often a... A very selfish perspective or self-centered perspective of the world around them because they weren't fighting for their lives to some extent. So they often don't develop situational awareness and everything is about what people are thinking about them, which is a really challenging perspective to collaborate with other people because unless you do work like this, you just think that everybody operates that way. But the reality is you're actually the minority and most people are highly situationally aware and kind of relationally dumb.
0: Well, and then that's meanwhile, weird.
1: you're obsessive about relational interactions and what people are thinking about you. Meanwhile, nobody's thinking about you because they're thinking yeah, about yeah, you. Yeah, actually,
0: nobody thinks about Actually, this is one of my most favorite discoveries in life. Actually, nobody's really thinking no about, you. about
1: you. <laughs> so the, uh, actually, no one cares about you. And worse is no one
0: cares about you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what we see is that when we're looking at the brain pattern spectrum, a lot of the inputs that we think we are doing to... Kind of like yeah. re-parent and heal and all these things. What we've found is that those are ultimately often responsible for attachment disorders and different types of obsessive behavior, different levels of suicidal ideation, addiction, all the rest of it. Wow. So, what I'll show you and maybe I'll, I'll totally give you this video so that if you want to um, share it with your audience, you mm. can, I have like a little breakdown of what the source belief spectrum is and so how yeah. people can kind of understand where they exist on it, even without doing the brain pattern. Assessment. Yeah. I'll put
0: that on the page later. Uh, I'll okay. throw it on the page tomorrow.
1: So yeah, essentially as you move to the far sides of the spectrum, yeah. kind of away from that midline, we start to hit people that would present as having more like paranoia or psychosis, right? Cause eventually If you think about it this way, if you move from the midpoint out to one of the sides, situational awareness is increasing. If you get all the way out to the far side, you're so situationally aware that you don't know what to take action on and not take action on because everything seems urgent, okay? So if you look at the reflection of that on the rejection side, as you move all the way out to the side, the same thing is you're so obsessive about what other people are thinking about you that at a certain point, you lose you lose track of reality because you're so fixated on what other people are thinking that you're not even really living your life anymore. You're just thinking about what other people are observing in you. So both of those I've found in the kind of traditional therapy world, those two types of people actually often get diagnosed the same way and they're treated in therapy the same way. Whereas in break method, we see the stark contrast. And when you treat those two people very uh, differently they thrive very quickly. because so they're like, oh my God, I just saw, I saw it where <laughs> you have to get them to separate from it enough to see the flaw or the error in the system and then give them obviously the right tools to support the rewiring, but they're oh, that... very different and they would always look the same. If you were just observing, you would think they were oh. the same
0: person. So you show that to a therapist and that, and that breaks their code.
1: Yeah. Event. And then they're like, Oh my God, you're
0: right. Because oh, <laughs> right,
1: they, be... they, they can think of how many times they're like, yes, I would. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. In the same they're, way. And then when I show them, okay, the but clients. if you do this for that person versus this for that person, they're like, Oh my God, I just saw it. And their whole world like melts. Um, so I think really <laughs> this source belief spectrum, I think, holds the the keys oh. to our collective healing to some degree. And, you know, for what it's worth, I am a big believer in God and I'm certainly not here sitting here being like, I designed the whole thing and I'm awesome. Everybody praise me. I just really think that I have really leaned into my relationship Mm -hmm. with God. And this was a a gift that was entrusted to me because I don't believe for a second that I created this. I think this is it just sometimes things just are the truth. And I was entrusted to caretake this information and I'm very passionate about getting it into the hands of the people that can actually move the needle forward. So whether that's a therapist or a social worker or somebody that works at the VA or the DOD or wherever, whoever's listening to this, this is the mental health Mm. modality that holds the keys to our collective outcome because it can be applied to anybody. I've taught this in the prison system limited to two days and we've had complete change where I went in there with the goal of uh, decreasing recidivism by 46% we decreased it by 68%. People that were constant repeat offenders after they did break never came back.
0: So, I know it works. Yeah, I'm curious to see like what kind of like what is the incidence of violence like if you did the whole prison like if you're able to get like some kind of class teaching, you know, teaching people, teaching others, teaching, you know, and you did the whole prison population of 800 like, what would the interviolence be? It at would all change
1: that? so much. So in this particular prison, I can share because a lot of it's public record okay. now. Um, when I was in the prison, it became very clear to me that a few of the women were experiencing sexual violence at the hands of some of the guards in the prison and knowing what their brain patterns were i kind of just went right into it and i was like hey your brain pattern's gonna tell you you can't speak up about this so you got to keep holding it together for all these other women i was like so here's what we're gonna do and i like brought in the other people that were from within the prison that were considered safe spaces Wow. we actually helped them with break method pattern opposition organize in the right way not organize in like a trauma bonding f the man like that kind of thing because usually a lot of the people there it's like they're your brain pattern tends to make you pendulum swing. It's like, I am mean, either not talking or I'm in your face cussing you out when the reality is none of them knew how to kind of recalibrate at midpoint and like communicate, but communicate effectively. Okay. So we actually worked with them to address the issue with the higher ups. Mm. And within a week and a half, it went from like just all these women were, it turned out it ended up being like most of the women in the prison. Within a few weeks time, the the main guard was fired and charges were filed against him and the whole like hierarchy of the whole prison after we left, that all fell apart and a bunch of these yep. exposes came out. So we basically we literally flipped the <clears throat> whole prison system in a two-day workshop of helping these women learn how to properly advocate for themselves.
0: Wow. And
1: actually follow the sequence that will actually yield results rather than what they had been doing before, which was either not talking or cussing out, right? Like either getting yeah, yeah. in trouble. We're allowing the trouble to follow.
0: Yes. Right. So So being quiet,
1: the whole thing. And so many of the women never ended up going back to prison again. I had many of those women immediately, as soon as they got out enrolled in break, like I want to do the whole thing now. So you would think that, you know, when somebody gets out of prison, they're like freedom. They're not going to be like, I want to go do that mental health thing. But yeah,
0: (laughs) I, I, yeah, I just don't see many people saying I want to do the men unless it's so powerful
1: I when we gave we gave surveys on the last day and there were a bunch of questions or people could rate it. Most of the women wrote at the bottom, Will you please go to the men's prison? My husband needs this, right? Because so many of them both were in prison because they committed oh their crimes God. either together or were somehow both involved
0: or against were, each other or
1: Yeah. So every almost every single person there, the bottom thing was, Can you please go to the men's prison? My husband needs break. So I just, I've seen that it can be applied to a child. It can be applied to a person that believes they're too old to learn new things. Mm. I've seen it applied to people that have virtually no education that can barely spell four letter words correctly. And I've seen it work in two days. I've seen it work in four months, but I would say the average time to complete break is 12 to 16 weeks. And after 16 weeks, you know, our our whole thing is I would love to see you again for a high five and an update. But if we did our jobs effectively, then you should never need us again, other than like a check in if life throws you a curveball and so on. But we empower our clients to understand what we do rather than us do it for you. So we're always doing the diagnostic work and educating you alongside that so that you can take this with you for the rest Mm. of your life. And for that reason... Wow. We have a ninety-three percent organic referral rate, so ninety-three percent of our clients bring us other clients. So I feel like that kind of hits that wound where a lot of therapists aren't sure. Well, if my clients graduate or leave so quickly, then what am I gonna? How do I keep them? The clients? <laughs> when the reality is, oh if my you're doing, god, you're doing your job well, they should be leaving quickly but bringing all of their friends and family. Like I've had, Ooh. I've had periods of time where I have literally like ten people connected to the same family line in the same town. That's how it happens if you actually do your job effectively.
0: More yeah. Come. And I this is the funniest part, right? I could totally see that being a thing like, well, but what if I fix everybody and then I'm, I'm out of business? Anyone,
1: how do I market to them? Yeah. So
0: yeah. How do you, I find you, more sick you people? Solve,
1: you solve the marketing problem by solving the efficacy I, and efficiency problem.
0: Ab, Absolutely, Yeah. And if you're having trouble finding, if you're worried about losing a client because they get well and not getting one, that probably means your referral rate is pretty low which might tell you something.
1: Well, and I think that goes back to a lot of, a lot of therapists, they're not, they don't really understand marketing, right? They didn't join that profession because they wanted to understand that piece of it. So that is something when we, in our certification for therapists, we do also train people in how to properly build those systems around your practice. Because it is, it is a different approach, right? It is, it's opposite of the way you have been doing it, but yeah. Can tell you with certainty the the payoff emotionally for you and energy wise wow. for you is yeah. massive.
0: I I would imagine that's powerful to 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 see that kind of change in your clients across just and 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 many clients right. You now you're not just holding on to twenty or thirty or a hundred. Mm-hmm. You're you're cycling through.
1: Yeah, we we see we see hundreds of people a week. And one of my favorite things, and this is something I prayed for a few years ago, was that I just, I really wanted to be able to help more men who would otherwise Mm. be resistant to therapy because they're like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't want to kick around a tissue box. Like, I'm good. Those people still need this work, right? So. I really was just so prayerful about how do I get these people to to see break and say yes? And over the last year are we've really tipped the scales. Like in this month, almost every single one of our new clients is male. So, we've done it and they're you know, they're guys that I'm really excited because even just a lot of the male clients that I had today they are like the guys. Guys, we're out there like getting girls, making money, like just all the things that are able to sit across the camera from me and be like busy on the outside. It looks like I have my life together. Like I go to the gym, I work out, but like I'm a broken man. I want to be. Able to, I, like down, I want to have a marriage. I want to have kids. What is right. wrong with me? Um, yes. So that that is kind of our new core client, which I'm here for that because I think
0: I'm, more, more
1: men need to be able to step forward and say, okay, I don't want to sit around and talk about my feelings, but I do want to do that. That looks like an engineering approach to my problem. Show me how to fix I, this like a mechanic and I'm in.
0: I love that. That's so dude. That's so dude. If you give them a manual, yeah, how to pull and, your break.
1: And that is ultimately what you get out of break is when you're ready to graduate you get what we call a break blueprint, which is the operating manual to who you are and all the ways okay. that you try to destroy your own life and exactly what to do. If, when, etc.
0: Busy Goldman, What, thank you so much. you you are, you are passionate and you, like you said, you've got, I love how you described it being your caretaker for the idea. It's been given to you to you to, to go out and, to spread the word. That's what I'm here to do. Muse is a real thing, right? You know, sometimes things come to us and it's not yours. And you look at it later on paper and you kind of just do one of those cockeyed looks like not really sure. I guess it came from me, right?
1: Break break is so profound and has so many levels of data mapping to it that Even when I've worked through this now with literally a whole team for six months that are like busy, how, what the, like, how did you do this? What, what? (laughs) Um, Because I'm able to, I was able to just innately know things that it's taken months for the computer to be able to kind of map and be like, oh, that's where it is. And that's where that goes. Wow. Um, Uh So it can't possibly be me is kind of where I'm going with this is like, it just, it's too, it, there's too many levels of input, output relationships Mm. and depth. This was, it was gifted to me and it's, you know, it's my honor to be able to pass this on to other therapists. And I think that's really the big takeaway is, you know, for break, we work with individuals, we work with couples, we work with families and kids, but where I've really tried to shift my focus over this next year is to train as many therapists Mm -hmm. as possible. So if you're a therapist watching this, if you're somebody who wishes your therapist was watching this, please share it with them. (laughs) I want to train them. We have an upcoming training, so let's make sure we get those people in and start spreading it.
0: Busy gold. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Um, This is fantastic for me. I learned a lot. Um, I found somebody who's in my, you know, I've got that. i had all these weird, thoughts and you know now to know that actually i'm not too crazy that i have my something. observations yeah my observations are kind of you know reasonably accurate and um so it's great it's great to know and, and it gives me good hope that if i saw it and you've saw it 10 years ago and you've got a you've got a fix for it we're, we're close we're close to salt you know we're close to getting turning the corner on this
1: i think even though are.
0: it looks like we're still got the tsunami kind of on top of us Thanks so much. Uh, hang around for 30 seconds and uh, just chat on the other side. I got one more, commer- one more commercial. All right. Thanks, thank everybody. You. Yeah, thanks. And Busy, how do, you know, so Breakthrough, maybe one last, uh so, yeah, we've break, got some people on method, the audio.
1: People can yeah. go to breakmethod.com, B-R-E-A-K, mm-hmm. method.com. You can take a look through the website. We obviously mm-hmm. work with individuals, couples, families, kids, and then we also train therapists. I would say for right. most people, the best way to dip the toe in the water is to book a brain pattern assessment. The brain pattern nice. assessments are $129 and you get a full like multi-page PDF report on exactly who you are and what made you that way. And then we kind of, we go from there.
0: If you can handle the creepiness of that. <laughs>
1: people, people can always handle it. They're, they're usually excited. They're scared excited, but usually they're
0: yeah, yeah. kind of just joking about, like they said, people like, how do you know that about me? And then immediately reject it because that, you know, like that just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just love it. That's how, you know, you're really onto something, uh, something magical. Yeah. Um, so thanks again, everybody. And, and busy gold man. Thanks so much. Bottom of my heart. Thanks for uh, a great interviewer. See you in 30 minutes or 30 seconds.
1: yeah loose baby but we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. we're not part of the community but we're from the outer family of blowing. yeah we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it it changes all the time so if you change the
0: way you look at things the things you look at change